and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Hey, listen, I want to talk to you today about the fan and the follower, and I'm going to go ahead and have you open up to Matthew 8. And this is something that's really been inside my heart in this last season. And it kind of goes with, with the notion As a church where we say, as a church, we're a place to belong, believe, become. This means there's a progression. We believe that the kingdom of God, according to the Bible, is advancing. Say amen. The kingdom of God is advancing. That means the kingdom of God is moving forward. That means you, as a believer, are a part of this kingdom. That means in your life, you should be moving forward. Now, does that mean that you're never going to have issues? Does that mean you're never going to have setbacks? No. But here's what I'm saying. If you're in the middle of a setback, the story's not over. God's just getting started. And what I want to say to you today is don't become discouraged in the process of what God is doing in your life. Don't allow your circumstances, don't allow what you see, don't allow what people say, come on. Be careful who you let speak into you. Let the voice of God be the voice that directs you and it guides you. Not everything that's going on, not what CNN and Fox say. Listen, it's easy, it's easy to look at all the negativity but what God is looking for is somebody who would have a vo- an ear to his chest, like Melissa said this morning. He said, I, sh- I saw the- God touching his people. And he said, and I saw them with their head on his chest. What is she saying? People that are having this intimate relationship, not with this far-off Jesus that is disconnected and doesn't know you, but this intimate father that pursues you. You say, really me? Yeah, you. In the middle of your dysfunction, Maybe life's going awesome, maybe life is going terrible. And no matter where you find yourself, he is with you. He is for you. And so how many of you, you know, you drive down the road sometimes, and we see signs, and those, those signs mean something. So in, in the context of fan or follower, here's the thing. Sometimes I ask myself, I'm going to show you a couple of, of images, and I want you to tell me what you think of when you see this image. Throw an image up. What does that tell you? Next one. Just do it. Come on, keep going. Mickey Mouse. Sorry, the images are terrible. It's okay. Here's the last one. Rivals. You feel the atmosphere change? My wife has an obsession with Chick-fil-A. So, so here's, here's the point. I did it just for her. Brownie points, man. Here's the point. All throughout the day, we're seeing things that are put in front of us, and those things would bring to our mind a certain thought, whether good or bad. You know, my wife goes by Taco Bell, she cringes because we've been there way too many times. And so I would think to myself, and I ask myself this question. I see Chick-fil-A, I think, wow, yes, I see Starbucks coffee. I I wonder what people think when they see Christians. No, no, I'm serious. Like when we're talking about building a church, when we're talking about the way you live out your faith, What do people, here's the truth, everybody has an opinion. Every single one of us, every single day, this is the way life works. Somebody makes an observation, that observation will lead to an opinion, and that opinion will inevitably lead to an opportunity. That's what happened when we came here. I came to preach. I was a little bit skinnier. I had no beard. Everybody made an observation. I came and I spoke, and then what happened? They formed an opinion. They said, yeah, we believe that God has chosen him here, and that opinion led to an opportunity. And in our lives, I feel like we're so, when Miss Nancy said we're so good, we become so worried about becoming introspective 
that we miss it and we fail to realize that there are people outside of us that are looking at us. And so when we say things like, we follow Jesus and we love him and it's awesome, but you look miserable, what are we communicating? And so in, in, in this Christianity, I feel like, listen, I, I want to preface this. This is not about saved or unsaved. I'm not here to say to you, if you're a fan, you're not going to heaven. That's not the point. What I'm saying is, as you grow in your relationship with Jesus, there is a progression that takes place where you go from the applause to giving yourself to this thing. There's something that happens inside of your heart where you say, I can no longer stand on the outside looking in and saying, that's great. I want to be a part of what God is doing. And so other people can see the way I saw. Some of you are here simply because God drew you because you saw what he was doing. You were on the outside and you saw God moving and something inside of you said, I want to be a part of that. How many of you know some of those same people, whether you know it or not, are serving on our leadership now and they're becoming a part of the solution? Where now other people are looking at them and saying, I see you and I want what you have. Not a by church because you don't have a by church. A by church is not what draws people here. We're not what draws people here. What draws people to this place is Jesus. And the fact that he's lifted high, and the fact that all impossibilities on 6420 Lithia Pinecrest have to bow to the name Jesus. You say, what well, hasn't happened in my life yet? It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. That no matter what you face, as we pursue him, and we move from fan to follower, that he is making crooked paths straight. He's making ways that there seems to be none. He's making it work out. And this is something you have to believe. This is not ideology. This is not good thought. This is me realizing that the Holy Spirit in me has moved me to a place where I can walk out my faith. I don't have to live my life through my pastor, through my bishop, through my apostle, through my prophet. Some of you don't even know what that means. Let's, let's break it down. You don't have to live your Christian life through your best friend. Your faith should not be drawn. Listen, I believe that we, there are people in this room that they encourage my faith. They build me up. But that person is not my cornerstone. You know what a cornerstone is? It's a foundational piece. When you're building something, the cornerstone is what holds it all together. If that would be taken away, the whole building would be compromised. And some of us, we have pivotal relationships that it's okay. It's okay for you to love that person and admire them and what God is doing in them, but they can never be the cornerstone. I'm preaching. I'm going to get to Matthew way. I'm going to get there. Let's, let's, go, let's go now. So let's give you some context of what God's doing. Let's get into the word. Jesus is here, and he's, he's doing ministry. And you just read, like, the top lines of, of before verse 20, and you see Jesus heals a man with leprosy. Jesus, the faith of a Roman officer brings wholeness to his life. When Jesus heals, it's more than a physical act. He, he heals all of you. The word healed in the Bible a lot of times is translated to sozo. It's more than just a physical healing. He heals your heart. He heals your mind. He heals your shoulder. He heals your leg. It's a total healing. And so as Jesus is ministering, this is what you see happening. He's healing the sick. He's touching people who are broken. And how many of you know when you see Jesus moving and you see things happening, like happened here last Sunday morning, Devin was standing right here who is a new believer, am I right? And the Lord healed his shoulder. Like, we treat that as, oh, wow, that's cool. No. 
Because I know many of people that are friends of mine that, are, that they're believing and contending for that. We treat it as common because in this atmosphere, we're so used to seeing God move. But last Sunday morning, a 19-year-old kid who just met Jesus, who couldn't lift his shoulder, his shoulder got healed, and that should be celebrated. It has to be stewarded. You understand? So Jesus is touching, and, he, and he's ministering. And as he's ministering, the crowds begin to form. And I both love and I hate this. Because the crowd, listen, a crowd, a church can never form just simply around what God is doing in the moment. Let me explain this. If we gather and if, and if we celebrate only his miracles and not him, then we're missing the point of church. You can be so captivated by the miracles and the things of Jesus and miss knowing him. I'm serious about this. I've been in places where when we were in Mexico, and we, those of you who go with us, you'll see God touch hundreds and hundreds of people, blind eyes, backs, all of it. You don't believe it? Come on the trip. But at some point in my ministry, I had to realize that I don't love Jesus for the miracles or for what he does. I'm thankful for them. But if Jesus never did another miracle all the days of my life, I'm still going to worship him. And so you see Jesus, he, what he's doing is he's making a differentiation. And I want you to see this because all of these people begin to follow him. Verse 18 says, when Jesus saw the crowds around him, he instructed his disciples to go to the other side of the lake. Then one of the teachers of the religious law said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And this is what happens every single Sunday. People get excited. They're enthusiastic about what God is doing. And they say, I'll do anything. And this is good. It's a good starting point. It really, really is. It's an entry point to the, real, to, to the fact that God wants to do more in you. But watch what Jesus does. Jesus says, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests. But the Son of God has no place to lay his head. And as you see Jesus, you would think, bro, this is not a good strategy. Like, we're trying to take over the world, right? Jesus has already told them that they're there for the kingdom of heaven to come. There are all kinds of different people following Jesus. You have, you have to know this. Listen, the reason that Judas had issue with Jesus was because Jesus came in a way he didn't want him to come in. He was intellectually offended. Judas was a zealot. And the agenda of these people were, their thought was, when the Messiah comes back, they are going to overthrow the Roman government. The Roman government, what, that's like saying today, when Jesus comes back, all of the, the U.S. government's going to be taken over. We're taking over hostile. And it was a hostile takeover. They were, they were thinking people were going to die, and Jesus would come and reign, but it would be like in a violent way. Do you understand this? So Jesus comes, and when he first comes, everything's good. The kingdom of heaven is coming. And he's like, yes. This happening, you understand? And as Jesus begins to turn, and he's like, when somebody hits you, you turn the other cheek. He's like, I don't like that. When Jesus starts talking about dying on the cross for those that Judas wants dead, he doesn't like that. What am I saying? It's important for you and for me to check our hearts on what we do when Jesus doesn't come in a way that we thought he would come. I'm serious about this. Because all of us, we have these preconceived ideas. This is the way Jesus is going to do it. And so I saw him do it in Booth's life, and so I'm naming it and I'm claiming it. That's fine. But what if he doesn't? Like, what if Jesus' way, listen, the moment you get comfortable and you begin to decide with your little notepad and paper, this is how the Lord's going to work. Step one, he's going to provide. Step two, the moment you do that, you got to know the Lord's about to take you on a different journey. Jesus wasn't saying, 
that it was wrong to have a place to live. What was he saying? <laughs> you got to read the top. The top of the, of the paragraph said the cost. Say the cost. Oh, it's kind of quiet because nobody wants to talk. I know, I know, I know. The cost of following Jesus. What is he saying? I know you want to follow me. I know you like the miracles. But I got to let you know the cost of discipleship is a little bit more. Anybody, I've been around this long enough. I've, I've, I was a drug addict. I've given my life to Jesus about 12 years ago now. I've been in enough circles to know that when God is moving a certain way, everybody claps their hands. When you begin to talk about giving of yourself, your whole heart, the crowds disperse. It's so quiet. <laughs> so Jesus tells him, listen, if you're going to follow me, it's going to look like a faith journey. I know you think you got this figured out. It's not about not having a place to sleep, having a bed, not having a bed. It's about you realizing this journey is not going to look the way you thought it was going to look like. Yeah. And so then it goes on, and the disciples said, Lord, first let me return home to bury my father. And this to me might be one of the most insensitive statements in the Bible. I'm serious. Follow me and let the spiritually dead, one, my, one translation said, let the, let the dead bury the dead. Now, if, if you've been in church long enough, you know that the, the Father loves you. We've preached this. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. But what's the crux of what Jesus is saying here? If you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your agenda. It's going to cost you your pride. For some of you, maybe that looks like letting dreams die that you thought so you can have better ones. You understand, you're not giving up your dreams for worse dreams. How many of you have served Jesus long enough that you know, you remember giving something up and you're like, this feels so hard. <laughs> and then when you receive, because listen, you, you, God can't fill what's already full. Some of you are like, Jesus, I want more. And so Jesus, give me and I'll go anywhere. You're like, I'll go anywhere. Jesus is like, okay, go to Africa. And you're like, oh. I was talking about like fish hawk, bro. Like, you know the square, there's ice cream, there's pizza. I could give an invite card to Easter. And Jesus is talking to these people about counting the cost because discipleship costs. Where, this isn't a church about making members. What is that? We don't measure, you know how I measure success in our church? I'm going to give you an inside view into our leadership. I don't measure success. I rarely know how many of you are here on a Sunday. The only number I care about is, Stephen, how many people did we have on outreach? If you're not going to outreach, I don't want to make you feel bad. I'm just saying I want to know who's taking active steps towards him. Who's giving up their time. It doesn't have to be with us. Maybe you're going on the street on your own. Good. But I know too many people that sit butts on seat. And they know the right words to say and the right way to say them and the right time to clap. How are you, bro? I'm blessed and highly favored, my friend. And I would say to you, if you're blessed and highly favored, that it should be affecting the people around you. Follow the context. Everybody wants to follow Jesus. You see this all the time. Jesus is being followed by the multitudes and the multitudes will go anywhere with you. And then Jesus is like, well, we'll see. You want to follow me? You have to eat of my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, huh? We're about to take communion today, and we know what it means. It's not weird. 
But in that time, you're like, Jesus, Jesus, is, Jesus needs to eat. He's been fasting too long. <laughs> he's, he's getting delusional. And so what's the difference between a fan and a follower? Listen, the truth is a fan doesn't like to follow. A fan likes the idea of following. Again, this isn't about saved or unsaved. This is about you progressing in, in your faith and asking yourself, am I doing everything that God has called me to do? I'm not asking you to quit your 9 to 5. I'm asking you, what are you doing in your 9 to 5? Chucho talked about this last week. I'm not talking about, to, to you about adding something else to your agenda. I'm talking to you about how are you inserting God into your agenda? That's why you've never heard, you heard me say earlier, we never say at this church, put Jesus first. For me to put Jesus first, that means there's a second. And I love my family. I, I love you guys, but there's just nothing in my life that can compare to this man. People did not save me from my addiction. People did not heal me from the resentment I had towards family members. My brother's been, how long you been sober? Month and three weeks. You know how many times I tried to talk to him? If, if I could have done it in my own strength, what did it take? A dream from the Lord and a supernatural interaction for the Lord to come crash in to say, I don't need that anymore. Now, what I'm saying to you is, many people would applaud that and say, what a beautiful story about Kenny. For you to progress from fan to follower, it would take you saying, I'm going to have my own porch story. I'm going to have my own story where God uses me in that kind of a way to believe that he wants to use me, that he cares. Listen, you have to count the costs. And when you, this is the purpose why. When you count the costs, you'll see how worth it it is. I'm just convinced that many people, they struggle with counting the costs because they haven't done it. They're like, I just don't see myself being able to give of that. I don't see myself being able to give this up or that up. But I would say to you, when you begin to realize the exchange that happens, the Bible's full of these exchanges, beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, praise for heaviness. These are the things the Lord gives you. And I understand and I know that in a room this size, there, there's all kinds of people that they've rooted their identity in insecurity. They've rooted their identity in lack. You say, well, how do you know? Well, you hear what they're saying. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's what's inside of you that comes out of you. And what the Lord wants to do for you today is he wants to heal that place. Because you can never be a true follower of Jesus and have anything lifted high above him. Can I, can I prove that to you today? I want to read to you one more scripture. I want to go to Mark 10. Is this okay? I'm going to wrap up here. Mark 10, verse 17 says this. As Jesus was starting on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him. He knelt down and he asked God. Again, this was a person who was moved by the acts of Jesus. He kneels down and he says to him, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus, I love this about him. Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. He redirects. There's just no self-promotion in this man. I just love it. But to answer your question, you know, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. 
not testify falsely, not cheat, honor your father and your mother. He's going through the commandments that were given for, through the Old Testament. So teacher, the man says to him, I've obeyed all of these commandments since I was young. Watch this. Jesus looking at the man, the Bible says this, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Can I get you to come up? Yeah, man. Jesus felt genuine love for the man who was in front of him. Now, in our culture today, because we have a culture where people just love to get offended, we see love as, I can't say that because I might hurt their feelings. I'm not saying be offensive, but you have to see what Jesus did when he was, when he was moved with compassion. Passion called him to confront. Love confronts. You've got to see this. So Jesus says to him, there's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all of your possessions and give money to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. And he said, and then he extended it. He extended it beyond eternal life. A man came looking just for eternal life, and Jesus said, this is what you do. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. So this man literally had an opportunity to become a part, what I see, of the inner circle. It was the man who was righteous. He did all, on the outside, he did all the right things. You've got to know this is not about money. Jesus has no problem with you having money. The problem in the, in the case of the rich young ruler is the money owned him. The problem was not money, it was idolatry. It was the fact that he had allowed his possessions in his life to take the place of this genuine, it was that he was not serving wholeheartedly. And so the Bible says this, at this the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. And I wonder how many people today, they leave church week after week. And the Lord says, come and follow me, I have more. Give this up, give that up, let it go. And come and follow me. And we're like, ah. Oh. But no, 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 Jesus, I did this and I did this. I went to outreach and I did this. And Jesus is like, but, but I'm talking about this. I'm talking about that pain. I'm talking about the doubt. Christianity is not about do's and don'ts. It's about love. It's about you giving yourself. And you better know that love confronts. And so anytime anything is said or anytime that prodding happens in your heart, it's not God trying to strip you, it's him trying to bless you. It's about him saying, will you follow me? And so Jesus went on and he said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom? And he goes on. And so then I love this, Peter. Peter comes on the scene and he's like, oh. He's, he's like, he's so rude. He's like, Peter said, we've given up everything to follow you. If that's the stipulation, then who in the world, who could ever enter into the kingdom and follow you? And Jesus assures him, he says, listen, everyone who has given up houses, brothers, mothers, fathers, property, or anything for my sake will receive, say now, he will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, and he says, many who are the greatest now will be the least. That's why I get worried when people start saying my name. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Shh. Because the Bible says many who are the greatest now, listen, I want to be known by one person. I'm so serious about this. 
If you're in my leadership, you know this. I'm not interested in people saying my name. What makes me happy is that in thinking about my name, you would think about Jesus. That something would be led, and this would be the heart posture, that we would give our lives in such a way that we would move from fan, from somebody who applauds the things of God, and we would say, that person follows him. He follows him with everything that he has, and he loves the Lord. I want to end with a story. I wasn't going to talk about this, but I am. Yesterday, we sat in, uh, at Anthony's house. Me, Anthony, Covington, these guys, we've been running together for about 12 years now. Feels like forever. Some of my, my best, they're my brothers. And as long as I've known Anthony, some of you don't know this, he, uh, he never knew his dad. Like his dad left from his life when he was very young and there was just, it was just a breakdown. He never reconnected with his dad. So my wife is like, she should have been an FBI person. She's like, we're finding, yesterday she's like, we're going to find your dad today. Like, whatever. She's serious. She's like, we're going to find your dad. So she gets on Facebook and we're looking. We don't even know his name, am I right? And it's just funny to me because as long as I've known him, there's always been these talks. We've talked and he's like, you know, sometimes he's like, I wonder my dad's Colombian. So we're joking. He's like, maybe he was like with Pablo Escobar. Like, maybe I'm like affiliated, which I don't know why we think that's a good thing, but. <laughs> and there's, here, here's the point. There are all these preconceived ideas of what his father would have looked like or who he was. And so we get online and my wife begins to look, not me, it's Destiny and Kelly, get online. They begin to look and finally they come up to this program and they're like, I think that's him. So my wife goes, um, I'm going to call and I'm going to pretend to be your wife and I'm going to ask, hey, do you know this such and such person? And my wife calls and immediately the guy's like, yeah, that's my son. So, so now my wife, I don't know why I feel emotional. It's terrible. So my wife is, uh, is talking to this guy now, and she's like, would you like to talk to your son? And the guy's like, I would love that. They've never, they've never talked. And so Destiny came inside. She's like, he wants to talk to you. It's muted. And, like, my heart starts pounding because it's such a prophetic picture of, of, of God and his children. And so Anthony's going outside, and he begins to talk to his dad, and they begin to connect. And it comes to find out he's not some angry person who, who left or is in a drug cartel. He's just a guy who lives in Miami who wants to connect and wants to have a relationship with his son. And sometimes I think people don't make the transition from fan to follower because they're worried about what it's going to be like in that circle. We've been to church, and we've been told God's mad at you. God's this, God's that. And so we're scared to just pick up that phone and just make that connection. But here's the truth. It's not what you think it is. I don't care, I don't care if you've known Jesus 10 years. There's deeper levels of knowing him that you can, that you can get to if you were just unlock parts of your heart. I'm serious about this. So what would it look like if you were to die to those preconceived ideas? God is angry. God doesn't love me. He loves this person. And you were to just say, I'm just going to be vulnerable. And I'm just going to connect with him. You know how uncomfortable that must have felt for him? He's talking to a guy he, he, he never talked to. And I think you're 29, 29 years. 
And yet, as the day went on, they continued to communicate. And I feel like that's just what the Lord wants to do. He's like, will you allow me into your heart to those places that you've kept hidden from everybody else? We've all got them. Can we be real? And we would say, Lord, today, I just want to let you deep into that place. For what purpose? For me to see who you really are. At this, at this moment, it's not about Anthony. Here's what I know. It's not about the man's past. It's about their future together. It's about, it's about growing in connection and realizing that God has something for him now. So I just want to leave you with this thought. Being a follower of Jesus is not about what you do or you don't do. It's really not. Being a follower of Jesus is about knowing him. It's about saying, I've, I've counted the cost because I know him. So here's what I want to do today. I want to, can I get a couple of guys? I'm going to pass out communion. This is not, I just hate the way that we've done communion. Not here, but communion is not about you introspecting on your problems. Are you listening? I want you to hear this because we've been taught in the church, uh, check your heart, 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 check your heart. Communion is about you connecting with him. It's about you taking the bread and, 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 and the grape juice and realizing that his body was broken for you. His blood was poured out to atone for you, to pay for what we couldn't pay for. So they're going to pass it out and they're going to sing a song. And I just want you to, to, to just connect with him for a moment. The same way Anthony connected with his dad yesterday. That you would just take a few moments and say, God, I'm here and I'm going to let you in to all, all of the parts of who I am. They're passing it out. You can take and then we'll pray together.